Welcome to another edition of Rick and Bubba University, the podcast, Professor Burgess and Bussy. We are here today, once again, ready to hand out degrees and common sense, of course, that now a superpower. Uh, on Rick and Bubba University, the podcast, uh, Bubba, we, we cover uh, topics. Nothing is off the table. No, we uh, love covering all kind of things in a f- way, in a format we can't do a lot of times on the radio show. But today, this one will be an easy one because it is something that we love, and that is American football. We love American football. We do think it's the greatest sport ever invented. I don't apologize for thinking that. Uh, not out to get other sports, but there, there, there's, there's sports and there's American football. And so this will be uh, a lot of fun. Daryl Johnston is with us as our guest. Or we just call him Moose. Moose. They're not booing. They're just saying Moose, current president of the USFL. Uh, and of course, uh, played a little ball at Syracuse, and, and I mean his his pro career was okay. Uh, three you know, Super Bowl you know, three, championships, three Super Bowl championship, Dallas <laughs> Cowboy, uh, two time Pro Bowler, uh, college All American, All Big East, and of course uh, has been in the the booth with Fox uh, after being with CBS for a little while, and of course, as I said, currently spending time uh, getting this USFL, getting getting its legs under him, and uh, being the president. So Moose, welcome back. Thank you so much. I, I am so excited to get a degree. Yes, you yeah. need one. Yeah. And, and I, the, my, to this day, there's controversy in my family that I did not graduate uh, from college uh, because uh, they could not find my diploma. Uh, and well, you got one. It just had somebody else's name on it. It had somebody it. else's yeah. name on it, but I took it. Uh, and I thought because it was just a mix-up. And I, and I just recently went and, and made the university find me one with my name on it so my family would stop with I mean, it. I mean, like a month ago. A month ago, <laughs> yeah. right. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> so, and, and, I, and you know, I went long enough to get a doctorate. I just <laughs> didn't have one. Uh, but uh, my dad asked me once, he said, my, my first year of college football, he said, how do you go to school for a quarter, because it was a quarter system college, and he said, and received no credit. And unfortunately, I said, well, that's not easy. <laughs> and uh, right, and he said that. Well, and he didn't then like, yeah, that, and then of course the person who who <laughs> was in charge of my classes, the head football coach, Chan Gailey, you know Chan, yeah, 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 and he called everybody up. He said, "Who did Burgess's schedule? Whoever did it is fired." <laughs> and let's get him in some classes for this next quarter where he can be eligible for next season. <laughs> and so they, you know, I went into marriage and family and things like that and did quite well. <laughs> Uh, so, uh, so we, we got it done. Uh, it's, uh, it's a lot going on in your world. We are currently, as you're hearing this podcast, we are now getting ready at the last regular season game mm-hmm. for the USFLs coming up and then we're in the playoffs and, and then, then here we go. Um, you know, we're from Birmingham, Alabama, so we're excited that the stallions, the defending champion has already got a playoff spot on their big win over the weekend. Mm-hmm. Uh, but they still got another regular season game. Uh, but, um, Let's talk about it. We want to talk about all your stuff because that's we got a longer format today. But let's start there since that's currently what you're doing and work our way back. So how is season two going? And 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 let's talk about um, I mean, because you got I mean, the USFL did its job. A lot of players went uh, yeah. and got NFL jobs. Great. That's we want that. But boy, you got to rebuild the teams and let's just start with Birmingham what they have been able to do because it's not like they didn't lose players and and not not just to the draft they lost them to injury early on yep. and have still played at a pretty high level. Yeah, transition in the offseason uh not just on the roster but also the coaching staff. Right. So different coaching staff, different players, different roster. You work through that, you go through camp, you try and build that chemistry and and get back to where you were the year before. Uh, where I thought they were very unique. I thought they were our first team to really come together and, and, and really connect 
um, trying to get through that during training camp. Then week one, here comes like all your leadership is out. Um, you know, Bo Scarborough goes down, Jamar goes down, Holly goes down. It's just one after another of, of all their key players, but also their great leaders. So how are you going to adjust to that? And there were some bumps in the road along the way. So uh, I, I really felt that, that the last couple of weeks, they're really starting to hit their stride. They're peaking at the right time. Uh, it's going to be interesting to see how they go through the playoffs. Memphis is is a big physical team who they're playing this week. Yeah. Uh, they beat them 42-2 to earlier this year. Uh, Memphis is going to remember that one. Uh, so I think it's going to be interesting. But we'll see if they can take care of business because we we go into the final week of the regular season with basically across the board, you win and you're in. And you can't ask for anything more uh, in the USFL than to have that type of excitement, that type of focus. And we didn't have that last year. I think by week six, our playoff field was set. So we're playing we're playing three, four weeks of football, and it's like, oh, boy. Right. You know, it, we, everything's sorted these, out. Let's just get yeah, to the playoffs. Yeah. All these games matter for these teams, and which, which, like I say, if you could draw that on paper, that's what you'd want. So, mm-hmm. Moose, talk a little bit about Skip Holtz in Birmingham. What, what uh, yeah. is he doing? Yeah. You've played for a lot of coaches. What do you think he's doing really good? He gives them the opportunity for earned ownership with what they do on game day. You'll see Skip defer to his players in critical situations. He trusts them. Uh, he has empowered them. Uh, and, and it's fun to watch. Um, there's a lot of work that goes into it. Uh, you know, there was times last year where we felt maybe Skip was grinding him a little bit too hard with the size roster we had, um, you know, the training camp that we had, what we're asking him to do during the course of the week. Were you going to break down at the end of the year? And when they had that loss late in the season to Houston, we're like, oh, boy, I hope that's not a warning sign. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And it wasn't. It was just a bad game. Um, so they bounced right back and, and went on a roll through the playoffs. So uh, I, I just think he does a really, really good job of every once in a while just taking a step back and evaluating everything. But probably his biggest strength is trusting his players and engaging his players. And he gets it. You know, He knows he has a system, but it's the players that make it work. Uh, and, and I think, you know, going back to last week, he doesn't have an ego, you know, we, we tease him all the time, but, but on game day, you know, you're struggling in the first half of that game. And all of a sudden you get an opportunity to get into a two minute offense and you go right down the field and you go in at halftime and you're like, what, what am I doing? I'm getting in the way of this whole thing. He goes, all right, when we come out in the second half, we're going two minute, we're going to sprinkle some runs in from time to time. But we're just going two minutes because they didn't stop us at the end of the half. Right. Let's see if they can stop us in the whole second half. And that was the change that you saw. So, I mean, just not getting stubborn with things. I, I see a lot of coaches, you hear the phrase getting stubborn with no, the run. No, no, you're no, not no. running the football, but you got to commit to it. Well, there, there's commitment, and then yeah. there's just getting flat out stubborn with the run. Right. No, look, we, we, we I play defense. Of course, you, you guys are offense. But I remember being on defense, and I think one of the things that, that offenses miscalculate all the time Let's show them a little something different. And we're on the defense going, I hope they don't throw it again. You know what I mean? Because we can't stop it. And so when you do that kind of stuff, we're like, oh, thank goodness it's a running play. Or or vice versa. You Mm -hmm. know, we're over hoping you won't keep doing it because we haven't found a way to stop it. (laughs) And you want to throw us a curve. All the curve for us was, thank goodness you didn't do what we can't stop. And uh, and I I saw this in the game because I watched the game uh, this past weekend. And he said that. He said, I got a little stubborn with the run. And I realized they can't. Do, they haven't stopped our passing game, yeah. and like you said, and then he, he, and that's when they pulled away from Houston because it was close up to that point. Oh, I mean, you, you haven't played well the whole first half. I mean, Houston is dominated. If they had any type of red zone offense, you're in trouble. Right. You're going to be down 17-3, 21-6. Um, you're going to halftime. You're up 10-9. 
because you stumbled onto that two minute drill right at the end mm -hmm. and you're able to get in and get a good frame of mind coming out. But yeah, I, we talk about it with the NFL during the course of the season with a broadcast, you know, a balanced approach. Well, what works that day? Right. What, where where yeah. do you match up better than they do? To your point, I hope yeah. they don't throw it again. Right. If we're, if we're beating you with the pass, I don't mind if we're 65-35 throwing the football no. that day. No. If you can't stop the run and we're 60-40 run, I don't mind that. Eventually, if you're a good team, that balance is really struck at the end of the year. You go back and look and right. you're, you know, are you 55-45, 52-48? You know, where do you sit? But, yeah, it it it's one of the lessons I've learned from several NFL coaches that it it's not – Week to week, it's at the end of the season. Can we do both things well? Because when we go up against the defense, right? And this is a great Norv Turner story, right? Yeah. You know, he he told us going up against Philadelphia one year. Yeah. Right to our offensive lineman, you're like, "Hey, Nate, listen, I don't need you to get on the phone and tell me to start running the football, okay? Because we're not going to do that to start this game against that Philadelphia front. Right. We're going to come out. We're going to make them pass rush. We're going to throw the ball. We're going to make them run and chase. And when they get tired, and we get to the second half. Now I'm going to come back to you, and I'm going to lean yeah. on you guys yeah. to you run go. the football. Yeah. Yeah. Grind them. Yeah, yeah. and I, my, my oldest son played for Auburn uh, with Cam Newton when they won the national championship, and he was on the sideline during that game against Oregon, same thing. And he said, I still remember because he said Cam Newton got hurt. He was, he was legitimately hurt, and they hurt him early on. Well, Cam Newton most of the year thought, I have to be the main thing of the offense to, to, for us to win. And he said, I was there when Malzahn pulled him over to the side and says, Cam, you don't have to win this game. We're better than them. We, we, we are the better team, and we're going to win this game other ways. You just run the offense. I know you're hurt. Your other weapons are better than theirs. We, we can win the game without you know, making that adjustment. Yeah. Going, let's understand that let's, we're, we have things they can't stop, so let's go there. And I think most great offensive minds will tell, will look at a defense and say, today I take what y'all give me. Mm -hmm. Now, defenses say, well, we think you can't beat us with what we're giving you, and you just have to prove that you can't. Yeah. Right? You know, and, and I think sometimes we overthink it going, I must be balanced no matter what. Well, see what the defense is doing. Yeah. See what's working, see what's not working, and, and then make them stop it. And read then if the they room, stop baby, it, then read the room. Yeah, yeah. Make them stop it. Yeah. And, play, and players win games. Where's your Where's your matchup? Where do you Where right. do you match up better with them? Yeah. Oh, my my dad, who retired football coach, he was never a fan defensively of gap control. He hated it, predetermining where your defensive guys are mm -hmm. going. He hated that. And when people were asked about it, he goes, "Because I may have a guy that I took him out of the play because I predetermined where he was going. Mm -hmm. I want my athletes and my players to make plays. So I'm telling this defensive lineman that's whipping the guy in front of him, slant this time, and then they run the other way, and I, I blocked him. Mm -hmm. I'd rather not be blocking them for him, for the offense. And, yeah. I, and I think the offense has the same thing. Let's not take ourselves out. You know, let's don't give the defense a stop that they haven't earned. Yeah. You the, know? the aggressive upfield defenses in the NFL today, really what the linebacker is supposed to do is make the down guy right. No. You go play. Right. I'll make you right. That's right. So whatever you whatever you want to do, you want to jump into that gap. I got you. I'll cover you. I'll I'll go the other side. Right. Yeah. And that's when you can orchestrate that. That's like, you know, a, a lot of people would always say with you and Emmett, you know, oh wow, it was it was fun <laughs> to watch you guys. It took us a while to get to that point, but when you get to the point where you're playing with a teammate and you guys think outside the box, and I know what you're thinking pre-snap, you know, I know where you're going. And that's that's when it's special. And and one of the great ones was uh, was Erlacher and uh, gosh, he was the other the other inside linebacker with him. He was the Will. Uh, Brian was the Mike. And, and man, th those two guys could just look at each other in their eyes, oh, yeah. and they knew what they were doing. And, yeah. and and you you can't stop that when you get to that level. 
you can't stop that. So I think it's fun to watch today's defenses and, and the way they're playing with just that upfield penetration and the linebacker level coming in and making everything right. They're so athletic, too. Incredible mm-hmm. on defense now. We'll come back. More conversation with Daryl Johnston. When Rick and Bubba University, the podcast continues. This is the Rick and Bubba Show. Watch more at blazetv.com slash Rick and Bubba. Rick and Bubba, Rick and Bubba. So Daryl uh, Johnston's with us, Moose. We talked about the USFL. Let's, let's do a little bit there, and then I want to get into some of your overall uh, experiences and ask you some questions about your days in the NFL. In the USFL right now, we've established that Birmingham proved to be the better team last year. They're good again this year, but there seems to be more parity. Who do you think is that number two team? Are they the number one? Is their team better than them? Who do you think is the best team right now? I know it's present. That's kind of uncomfortable to make that. But you're a football If you were right? batting the farm. If you were looking out going, I'll tell you who I think our best teams are. Uh, is it obvious? But you said there's so much more parity. Who matches up, you think, uh, with Birmingham or who's better than Birmingham? Yeah, I, I think last year was a progression. Yeah. And, and you had your teams that were in the playoffs that had played the best as the season went on. This year might be who's hot at the right time. Okay. Uh, there's that much parity. Yeah, yeah. And you look at a team like the New Jersey Generals who have been up and down. I think they lost five in a row going into last that week. Was and then they surprising, beat Philadelphia. It? Yeah. Just a, just a lot of stuff that's going on there. Um, you know, issues with the quarterback. DeAndre's out for a while. I mean, they have had three guys start. Inconsistency at the quarterback position can doom a season. And, oh, yeah. and I think that's been a big thing. They were able to make it work last year with what they did with with Luis Perez and, and DeAndre Johnson and, and how they played off of each other. We saw a little bit with Jay Moore and, and Alex. Um, you know, that's not the case this year. Uh, you know, for Birmingham, I think they're getting hot at the right time, but they also have the best quarterback in the league who's playing the best right now. You know, Alex Magoo is probably your your front runner for MVP. Um, He's really come alive. Yeah, he really yeah. has. He really has. And I, and I think it's been fun to watch him grow from last year through the first two years no of, the, of the USFL. Yeah. You know, Alex is a different guy, and and Skip has done a really good job of of allowing him to grow and mature. I think it's going to be really interesting to see what type of shot he gets this year. He deserves a shot in an NFL camp, and if his his growth and maturity helps him stay there, because I think that's why he came back to us, you know, he was available for us in year one is a little bit of immaturity at the NFL level. And, and I think that's gone now. Um, so really for this year, it, it, you look around the league and, and who's hot at the right time, Birmingham in the South, um, a big win over Houston. Um, you know, Kenji didn't have a great game. Um, you know, Alex really kind of, that was the key quarterback, yeah. quarterback in that one. Everybody kind of talked about Alex Magoo and Mark Thompson, you know, Mark, Mark's not going to control the game because he doesn't have the ball in his hand every right, snap. Right. So that was all on Kenji. Uh, you know, in the South, I think New Orleans is trending that way. Uh, if, if they find a way to get into the, into the South divisional championship game against Birmingham, I think that's going to be an unbelievable game yeah. on Sunday, the 25th. It's They've had be, two good yeah, games. Two so great far. games already. Yeah. yeah, yeah. And they split. Uh, and, and we got Flip out there early in the year at the Daytona 500 telling yeah. Skip, you know, hey, we're going to knock you off both times. Right. So, you know, just a, it, it's been fun to watch that rivalry grow in this hub this year. But when you go to the north, holy smokes, um, you know, it looked like it was going to be Philly. Philly. Uh, you know, Case Cookus, uh, it, you know, he's, he's a warrior. I mean, they beat the dog out of him last week, and he just gets up and keeps playing. The left tackle went down. He goes, get back in the huddle. <laughs> he had a hurt shoulder. He's out now. <laughs> Case told him, "Man, my ribs are hurting. Right. You know, my back's well, hurting." Well, he said he goes, you should you know, have happened to me home. too. Yeah, yeah, exactly. So I, I, I mean, he's just—he's so different on the field. When you meet him off the field and you talk to him, and then you watch him play and you watch his leadership on the field, he's a totally different guy out there. Um, but for me, right now, uh, New Jersey played their best game of the season last week. 
when they beat Philadelphia, almost messed it up at the end of the game. The team that that could be that just how did they do this is Pittsburgh. They play great defense. They have explosive returners uh, and good special teams. Um, they're okay running the football. If, if Troy Williams plays well at quarterback and doesn't have a big mistake, I've seen defense and special teams carry a team deep into a playoff run. Uh, could Pittsburgh be an outlier up there and go from worst to the championship game in the North? So I, I think it's going to be fun watching the North this week because, I honestly, I can't tell you who's okay. going to win. Okay. It, it's all over the road, yeah. isn't it? Do you, do you on the on the this there's been attempts at spring football we talked about that and for different reasons they didn't work. Do you think that there can can the XFL and the USFL both be alive and healthy and survive or do you think that that one has to win and the other has to go away? Yeah, I think that that's what we're all going to find out. You yeah, know, yeah. I, I don't go into it with an opinion one yeah. way or the other. Yeah. For me. I, I'm all focused on the USFL. Uh, I don't really worry about nothing you can do. The about X- that. Yeah, right. I, I can't tell my players, hey, control what you can control, and then turn around and go. Then you well, do. what are we going to do with these guys <laughs> yeah, over here? Yeah. Uh, so I just I focus on the USFL and making sure that we're 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 playing the best football. We're creating the best opportunity. Yeah. We structure our league the right way. We build it on a really really strong foundation, and and I think we're doing that. Uh, and and we're very different. Our approach is very different than what uh, what our competition is doing. But I think that's the one question that everybody has. Um, I don't have an answer for you, but it's going to play itself out. I, I think a lot of people always felt there's not enough talent below the NFL for two leagues to survive. Um, and let's not forget about the CFL up in Canada. That's right. right. Yeah. I mean, the CFL had 110 guys on rosters a couple of weeks ago and has cut all the way down into the 70s. But they're on that mentality of get them locked up, keep them from those American Spring Leagues, and get right. them up here to oh, Canada. Yeah. So we're not just competing against the XFL. We're competing against That's the true. CFL as well. I, yeah, I hadn't thought about that because they're trying to get them. They're, they're locking everybody up. Yeah. So Moose still with the playoffs championship to come next year. Let's look ahead. Are you doing what you need to do as a league? Are the, are the people backing it? Are they happy? Uh, where do you need improvement? Talk to us about year three, which will really be uncharted water for a spring league. <laughs> yeah, right. Um, I think the big thing that we have to figure out is game day attendance. What, what did we do wrong in between season one and season two? And and I'm going to use Birmingham as our example. What, what did we do wrong here where we have struggled to get the game day attendance that we assumed we would have? Uh, we have to stay engaged with our, with our home markets during the course of the off season. Right. We can't leave in. July and show up in March and think everybody's going to be, Oh, where have you been? We've been, we've been so excited for you to come back. We, we've got to maintain that relationship. And we talk about getting engaged in the communities uh, of where we've put our hubs and where our teams are going to go to. Um, you know, we, we've got to now demonstrate that we are all in and we're all in all year. We're not just all in during the course of the season. So I think that that was a really big lesson that we learned this year. And, and that will help us because that was, that was the one thing our fans told us about last year. Uh, you know, watching a non-Birmingham game and seeing the crowds. And, yeah, we're pushing the envelope with all this technology. And, you know, we have shot games, you know, from from Fox and NBC. You know, they 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 shot football games in 2020 during the pandemic when the stadiums were empty. Oh, yeah. And yeah. you didn't know that. You yeah. didn't know they were empty. So you can do it. But when you have drones and sky yeah. cams and helmet yeah. cams, mm-hmm. you're going to see some of that stuff. And it was some of the stuff that the fans were like, Ugh, you know, 
we'd like to see more people in that stand. Mm-hmm. You know, that that helps us at home. You know, hey, they're excited right. they're in the stands. So how do we how do we improve that? Um, that that's going to be our biggest charge in, in the offseason going from two to three. Uh, I think we handled what we did this year going from a single hub to four hubs with the logistical challenges that we were going to have traveling as teams into into different cities, whether it's by bus, by, by charter flight. Uh, we did a good job there. Next year, how do we crack the code on this attendance thing? Yeah. Do, do you yeah. think that possibly spring football is always going to have a fan in the stand attendance problem just because of the other activities people do that time of year? They're going to the lake. They're going visiting. They're going on vacation. You know, there's there's car races. There's nine thousand. My, kid, my, kid, my kids are in travel ball. Yep. We're we're in the fall. You just don't have that much. It's football season because school kind of holds that right that that world in a little more little. It's a little more stringent because your kids are always having to get yeah. back to school. Because you know, I I really enjoy watching it on TV. Yeah, I, mm-hmm. I mean it, it's a good problem. I think it's we're part fun. of the problem. It's fun to watch because the yeah. TV, the TV. But I, I usually do it from my pontoon. Well, you, you know, remember, you remember when, when NASCAR started, started seeing fall off? They came to the yeah. conclusion. I think our TV experience has gotten so good that people are like, "Well, eh, I don't know that I'll go to the track. I think I'll just watch it because it's so well done." Yeah. Well, we used to have that issue. You know, they wouldn't put a game on TV unless it was yeah. sold out or all yeah. that kind of stuff. But is there just oh, so TV, much competition? Yeah. Yeah. In the in the spring, you no, think? not competition. I, I think you guys are kind of hitting exactly what we're finding out. Um, the school year is a big driver, right? We know when school's right. out in all our markets. You know, yeah. you boom, ten yeah. inch drops. Right. If you put a game too early on the weekend, especially here in Birmingham. Um, as as a father of two, and how busy our kids were on Saturdays and Sundays, oh, yeah. if yeah. that game ain't kicking off at six o'clock, I can't make it. Right, I'm at this, I'm at that. You know, we've we've got church events, we've got cheer events, we've oh, got yeah. dance events, we've got mm-hmm. sports. Uh, th- there's a lot of different things pulling for your time from the family. Yeah, right. yeah. Right. I don't think we're worried about playoff hockey, playoff basketball, MLS. I really don't think that's that big yeah. of an impact. I, I don't, you know. It, I think it, life's the bigger impact. Life is the bigger impact. And here's going to be our other one. Um, and, and you know, if you, you look into markets to expand into, right? Let's say we get everybody in the South into their home market. We get New Orleans into their home market. We get Houston into their home market. We've got Memphis and Birmingham. It's June 7th at 3 o'clock in the afternoon. Mm, it is Do you really want to sit in those? How do we keep everybody <laughs> comfortable and cool and stay away from medical issues in our attendance. That is something that I really want to focus on. Because it's a real heat in those stadiums. It is a it, it is a legit issue. And I always go back to the Texas Rangers in their old stadium. There was a corner up that caught the late western sun, and you could see all the fans knew exactly where that shade yeah. line was. <laughs> and nobody, nobody went to those seats until the sun went down. And it would be perfectly empty. I mean, there was a, a, a clear line drawn across it. And then when they got there, you could see them put their hands on the seats mm-hmm. to yeah. see how hot the seats were and yeah. if they could sit down. So they had to come in, and they, they reconfigured the fabrication of their seats so they were cool cooler. Yeah. Um, they they did something up in that corner to kind of <laughs> try to get people there <laughs> earlier. We've got to get creative because we've got, we've got four teams in hub cities once we get all of our teams into their home markets – that once you get to the end of May and June, the last four weeks yeah. of our season, it's Smoker. hot. Yeah. Well, you, you, come, let's do the break right here and we'll come back. We're going to talk more with Daryl Johnston and we'll, we'll pick that up, Bubba, where you are. When Rick and Bubba University, the podcast continues. All right, let's talk about Manscaped. Uh, I, men and women are equal, but they're distinct and they're different. And if you think you're going to 
talk to us about hygiene by throwing a bunch of women's products at us. It just ain't going to happen. Nope. And so Manscaped said, you know what? I think there's a market for us to go after. I, you know, believe it or not, men, we have a reputation that we don't care about being clean, but we do. Uh, and if for no other reason, so women will hang around. No, that's right. You know, so that's so the main reason, right? So anyway, uh, Manscaped dot com. It's designed for men hygiene from head to toe. Uh, if you're, you're somebody like me, say you wear a beard, and, and you know you go out and you see some of the things available for beards, but you can tell these are these are companies that they weren't really thinking about. You know, how, what is it really like to have a beard? Well, at Manscaped dot com, they've got some of the best products to keep your beard neat. My wife all the time she goes when you're not using that Manscaped, uh, you know, oil on it, uh, softening it. When you if you don't have your conditioner for your beard, I can tell it gets too prickly, it's uncomfortable. But she loves when I start using these products because the beard now. Uh, I mean, Daryl's even wanting to rub his hand on it, I can tell. But, but, uh, it's, it's special, Rick. It, it, it is. It, but these things are designed. And, of course, you and I love that the trimmer, you know, this lawnmower, the oh. 4.0 trimmer. It's a, good. It's gracious. the best. It's the best razor I've ever seen. What about when it's got the LED light on it? So no, where, no matter yeah. where you're needing to trim, you can see. You where got you're going. the headlights. You on got there, the huh? headlights yeah. on it. It's made for men. So also, if you're looking, uh, you're going to be getting out. And l- let's face it, I'll call it. My feet are nasty. I'll call it. My, <laughs> yeah. uh, the, my, my wife looks at my toenails and goes, "What? Put something on that." Well, they've even got uh, products designed for nail grooming that are designed for men. Uh, it's got stainless steel nail cutters, tweezers, grooming scissors, all designed for men. So it's that time of year, guys. We're out there. We need to be groomed. We need to be smelling good. Uh, and you can get your products at 20% off right now when you go to a hub that is made just for men. Hygiene from head to toe. That's manscaped.com. Use the promo code Bubba20 to get 20% off. Manscaped.com. Uh, so we're ready for the summer. Daryl Johnston is our guest uh, here on Rick and Bubba University, the podcast. So we were talking about the USFL, and the one thing that we need to look at is getting people in the stadiums, sometimes during hot times of the year. And, Bubba, you had a question. Well, I was going to say this. uh, Teams that are very well established here, Alabama-Auburn, September, even through mid-October, you get invited to go to a game. First question everybody always asks is, what time does it kick off? Yeah. Six o'clock, I'm in. Two o'clock, 11 o'clock, see it on TV. Yeah, when I the, mean, it's, a, it's just when, too when, blame hot, man. Yeah. You just can't deal with it. If you don't have a rivalry game or you don't have a conference game, and I'm talking about the University of Alabama, if it's an 11 o'clock kickoff in September and it's 1,000 degrees, they struggle yeah. to get everybody to come. Yeah. They have empty seats. I mean, college football in Alabama has empty seats if it's too uncomfortable. Yeah. If it's not a good matchup. So, yeah, it's a legitimate problem. Do you think one of the you should almost take the mindset of minor league baseball promotions and 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 do you know, and I know we do a lot of that. Yeah. And of course, marketing, like you said, we or can't domes. we can't stop talking. You know, because we found this out doing our show. I made the joke on the air the other day. You know, we have merchandise and. And uh, we got talking about Father's Day, and of course the merchandise started moving. Mm-hmm. And I, I made the comments based on what we're doing for a living. I said, you know what's kind of weird? I noticed that when we actually talk about it, people actually go buy stuff. <laughs> uh, so who would have thought? But yeah, if 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 you if the conversation ends with all these distractions we're talking about, it's happened to me. Yeah, I have said, you know what? The USFL's playing this weekend. Uh, you know, so so you know, you we need to constantly be reminded mm-hmm. that that's an option for the weekend. And I do think this, based on the history of the of the other spring leagues, and Bubba hit on it. I do believe, you know, what do we say about sometimes when people are just waiting on failure? Mm-hmm. 
He, look, he, as soon, you know, a team that's used to winning, when things go poorly, they think persevere. A team that's used to losing, they go, here we go again. Yep. And I think there's a mentality that if you can get to this third season, that it's going to be easier. Because I think people are like, I'm afraid to give myself to this team. Yeah. I mean, my son, well, my son, he went all in on the Birmingham Iron. He was going to the games. He was having a blast. He was enjoying it. He yeah. had the gear. And when it and when it went away, he was like, "Well, there you go. I got I got burned again." Yeah. What well, Rick's but, saying, we have a closet full of jerseys that right. we bought to support a team that's no longer supportable. So yeah. I think if you can, if they get that third year, I think that's a biggie. Yeah. Because I think then someone says, "Okay, I, I think I'm going to give I think myself you got to momentum, this." Yeah. You know, it looks it looks like they've got a plan because I think in the past some of the goals were not. You know, the fact they have people like you involved and and Fox involved, and now there's no longer this. We're against the NFL. We're all working together. Mm-hmm. Look at all of us NFL people endorsing this. Mm-hmm. We like it. You should like it. I think that's over now. That helped. That was a really good move as opposed to we're going to show you how football should be played. <laughs> you know, and everybody's going, better than the NFL. Yeah, you know, right. and <laughs> you know, and now it's kind of like, no, no, we're here to help guys like we just talked about. Yep. Guys mm-hmm. that – there's people that these leagues were the key to them getting to the league and state. Yep. And and and, it, and that's now the mentality, and it's almost like minor league baseball. I know it's not the same format, you know, where you're feeding a certain team, mm-hmm. but but the way it's being marketed now, I think, is the way it should have always been marketed. Yeah. And and I think if you can get to that third season, there'll also be some of these hard issues of I'm afraid to give myself to my team because I think they'll leave me again. Yeah, that that makes sense because it was one of the things that we thought we wouldn't have in year two yet. It's still there. Yeah. So you know, we we just got to continue to build that trust and that faith and. We're coming back, you know. We we really are, and and I tell people all the time. You know, I've I've had two people come up for games this year, and they're like, "Oh my God, Birmingham is awesome!" You know, I I would have never come here if it hasn't been for the league, and I had so much fun this weekend. Um, so that that that's that's definitely something that we have to understand that the city has supported other groups that have, you know, folded, turned their back, left, didn't succeed. However, you want to say it, um, we're coming back for year three. So yeah, just come come out see us on Sunday, June twenty fifth, um, for our last game here in Birmingham yeah, in year man. two, yeah. and then we'll stay engaged, yeah, and let's get year three going, yeah, because uh, I'd I'd love to come down here to kick off next season. Um, We'd love what to. I mean. What if we're back to back champions, right? And we're kicking off oh, uh, in week one. I mean, I I want protective full. I want to get into the second level. Yeah. We got into the second level in San Antonio in the Alliance, um, the very last game when we closed up shop. We were playing Memphis, and Memphis was coming down with Johnny Manziel, and Johnny Manziel grew up 40 miles, 40 minutes from San Antonio and Tyvee. We were open in the second deck. We had over 40,000 tickets. So that's that's where I want Birmingham. That's where I want Birmingham. I want want a pack protective. All right, let's shift to Daryl Johnston, NFL. Emmett Smith, you you had a chance to play a key role in the, the NFL's leading rusher of all time. He gets flat. Well, I mean, really, you, you, if Barry Sanders had kept playing, and you know, and I know he gets tired of hearing all that. What, where does Emmett Smith Smith belong when it comes to some of the greatest running backs of all time? I think running back is the one position where it's really hard to pick that one guy. Sure, um, there's a lot of guys you can bring up that you can get to number one. You can get Emmett there. You can get Barry there. You can get Walter there. You can get Jim Brown there. I mean, there's a number of them. Mm-hmm. Um, so I, I think it's really kind of personal preference. 
it, it's kind of it's kind of hard to say the NFL's all time leading rusher is not the greatest player. <laughs> right. So you know, I <laughs> but I, I, I kind of start he, there. He what, had some pretty good blockers. Yeah, in front he, of he had a pretty good fullback. <laughs> what, what what if what if you? But if somebody said, "Tell me what." Made Emmett great. What what made him great? Because sometimes he's it was subtle how he did it. Yeah, greatness is talent over time. Right. Um, what the level that Emmett played at for as long as he played, he was one of the first guys that I saw that that took time away from the facility to make sure his body was as healthy as it could be. You're never going to be 100 percent going into week nine of an NFL season, but no. he would do everything he possibly could to be as healthy as he could be outside of the facility. It was important to him. He had the unique ability never to take a huge hit. You'd never see a highlight where Emmett just got lit up. Uh, you really don't. No. You Not even he slipped the subtle. tackles very yeah, well, did Yeah, he never yeah. took that big hit. Um, he was very patient. Uh, he could see things, you know, from his peripheral. He could sense things. There's a number of plays you'll watch. And, you know, the one knock on Emmett was he, do- he doesn't have breakaway speed. How many times do you remember Emmett getting run down from behind on a he long run? He was deceivingly fast. He had a sense of where that guy was. And I don't think he's reading the Jumbotron. I think he had a sense <laughs> of where that guy was coming up behind him. And he would make a subtle slide right or left yeah. and, and eliminate that angle and extend it down the field. So he just had a tremendous feel. He's got great contact balance. Um, there's a number of things. But to me, the biggest thing is how productive he was over a long, long period of time. He said this coming into Dallas. When I retire, I want to be the NFL's all-time leading rusher. You're like, dude, man, that is bold. <laughs> I mean, that, that, that's a lot of work. Yeah. Good players. And, and to watch him fulfill that goal, you knew that you had to be really, really good over a long period of time, and you had to be on a good team. Let's not kid about some of the other no. things that other people will say. To your point, you put somebody else behind that offensive line, they're going to run for a lot of yards too. Um you know, I think Barry Sanders is the unique guy. You know, he could make stuff there that wasn't there. Right. You know, he was fun to watch. And if you go back and listen to Emmett, Emmett will say this was Barry's record. If he had chosen to continue to play, that's the separator. Passion for the game and talent over an extended period of time. And that's where Emmett separates himself from the Jim Browns, from the Barry Sanders. In the, uh, in the NFL. Well, i tell you what blows me away, too, and these are the things you always forget, which makes your point. He actually had an outstanding season with the Cardinals. Yes, he did. <laughs> and, and that's never talked Almost about. Almost 1,000 yards. Yeah, that's, yeah. Not, that's never talked about. And he was, he was getting at the end then. That was his final year. And yeah. he went for 935 or right. something. Right, and, and I don't think you would say they had as good an offensive line as the Super Bowl teams yeah. that Dallas had, right? And the greatest thing was, look who he was influencing on that team. Right. Look at the young guys on that team that got to watch oh, yeah. how he was a pro. The Larry Fitzgeralds, uh, God, who's some of the guys on that team? It, it, mm-hmm. you, you talk to them after that, and they're like, "Man, Emmett made such a huge impression on me." Yeah. What about you? Saw a lot of other players that you didn't have to tackle because you were on offense. Who who was a running back you saw on another team that you played that you went, "Wow, that guy is really good." Barry's the one guy that you wanted to watch live. Oh yeah, uh, it's one of the greatest games I ever saw. Was was. Uh, Monday night football game, uh, us against the Lions, and, and, and Barry and Emmett went toe-to-toe. Um, Emmett had a run called back late in the game that got us down inside the 10 um, that would have, I think, Barry ran for 191, and if that run would have stood, I think Emmett would have run for like 195. Unbelievable. It was just, it was what just, a day. Yeah, it was like a heavyweight fight counterpunch. <laughs> and and you, it's funny how we – we're not letting him beat us tonight. No, yeah. that's right. it wasn't about the scoreboard. That's it was like he's great. not beating us. It's a team. Yeah, it's the ultimate team sport. And I'll give you the two that were really cool. Um, when he won his first two rushing titles, we were playing a three o'clock kick, 
and we went into the game knowing the number we had to get. Uh, it was Barry Foster one year, and I can't remember who it was the other year. And I think one of the years we went in, it was like we had to go for 162 oh my. against a good defense. And to watch everybody in front of Emmett go, we gotta get, we're getting this for him. We're going to get when we, walk, when, we, when we walk off this field, Emmett is the, the rushing Because it's a credit to you and the offensive line as well. Yeah, yeah, yeah absolutely. absolutely. All right, we'll come back. We'll finish our conversation with Moose on this edition of Rick and Bubba University, the podcast. This is the Rick and Bubba Show. Watch more at blazetv.com slash Rick and Bubba. Rick and Bubba, Rick and Bubba. Daryl Johnston's our guest. We're talking NFL now. We've talked to the USFL. I know that you feared no one, so so I understand that. You, you couldn't play the game at the level you did if you went out there and you were ever afraid. But we still see people sometimes on the other side of the ball that we're like, Ugh. Uh, <laughs> When you see their I, highlights, you're like, wow. I really, wow. I really dread what's about to happen. I'm going to do it, and I'm not afraid of them, <laughs> and I don't think – who, who, when you saw linebackers, because you mainly were dealing with linebackers when yeah. you went to blow up uh, the gap, <laughs> yeah. and you look over and go, well, there he is, and uh, and it's time for the train wreck. Yeah. So so what were some of those guys? Yeah, who's going to blink first? Right, right? Yeah, yeah. It's yeah. like playing chicken. Um, just some names. Uh, I caught Mike Singletary at the end of his career. Uh, for me, the big thing was one time lined up in an eye, I kind of leaned over <laughs> and, and looked between the guard and the center just to see those eyes in person. You see yeah. him on TV, yeah. but when you see him on the field. Was that like, weird to say I'm on oh, the field with him now? Oh, I was like, oh, my God. <laughs> uh, so that was, that was very intense. So uh, it wasn't exaggerating those pictures? Oh, no, not yeah. at all. Yeah. yeah, yeah. you can see why he never missed anything. Holy smokes, those eyes yeah. were wide open. Uh, Lawrence Taylor. Um, mm. you know, And the big thing for us was don't run away from Lawrence Taylor. Run at him. That's right. right. Neutralize it. Yeah, yeah, don't, don't let him use that pursuit. Uh, Carl Banks. Very underrated. On the other side of Lawrence Taylor, it was like, you know, I would tell Emmett, I'm like, listen, I'm, I'm going to cover him up, but he's going to be right where he is because I, I can't move this guy. I mean, right, he he yeah. goes, it's like he was right. cemented into the field. <laughs> right, yeah. Uh, you, you can cut off yeah. my rear end, but yeah. it's going to be there. <laughs> Seth Joyner uh, was the one guy who was, was challenging because he was very athletic, but he was very strong. So if you came out and expected like a little juke, he would just stone you. Right. And then if you came out, to, to blow him up, he'd sidestep you like a matador. Um, so he was he was really challenging. But there's a guy out there that I always talk about, and he's probably somebody that not a lot of people know, but the way we played the Arizona Cardinals, it was a, a, a really physical game between me and Eric Hill. And Eric Hill uh, played at LSU. Um, we played them our senior year uh, in a bowl game, and it's still to this day one of the most violent collisions I've ever heard mm. on a football field was Eric Hill and Blake Bednars, our guard. He was our right guard. He pulled, and he hit Eric, and I heard it, and I turned around, and they're both on oh their my. backs. And it, w- it was just the sound was like, how do two <laughs> men do that? How do you make that noise? And so – he gets drafted to uh, the Cardinals, and then I get drafted to the Cowboys. And I'm like, well, he was an outside linebacker. What's so, you know, I got to deal with that all the time. <laughs> the, the Cardinals moved him inside. I'm like, oh, <laughs> got it. So, um, I always say Eric Hill was the original Ray Lewis. He was six okay. foot three, 255 pounds, and he never left the field. He was a sideline to sideline, sideline to sideline, third down linebacker. And the way that Eric did it was he'd stand at five yards, and if you were crossing, I'm not going to chase you and cover you. I'm just going to take you off your feet. Right. So the big thing was, is if you're crossing the field, you better find 58 because he's going to find you. <laughs> right. And then when we ran our our leads and everything like that, it was just, it, it, it was two rutten bucks. Like, boom. Yeah. 
And it was just, it was very, very violent. And I would lobby in our room to get Eric to the Pro Bowl every year. And I don't think he ever made it. And he never really? got the credit that he got. But you go back and look at our <laughs> Arizona games, we had some long win streak against, I think it was like 17, 18 games. Look at the scores, 17, 14, 14-10, 20-7. So if their offense had done anything. Yeah, and it was, but for us it was just – and Norv was like, you know, we're going we're gonna to stay real basic with these guys. So, you know, you button your chin strap because it's going to be a long day at the office. Oh, yeah. And, man, it's just – it was brutal against Eric. He's he was a he was a hell of a football player that never got the recognition I felt he deserved. Moose, you were a key part of that offense, but you didn't get to run the ball a lot. But you did some. How was it when you you got your number called? How did that feel? It, it was it was fun. Uh, you know, <laughs> it was kind of a. But I would, I would have to, you see him start grinning. You're uh, uncontrollable. Well, the offensive line, I'm like, you know, they'd be like, oh, you know, it's it's fullback play. We're all, we're all right. And I'm like, hey, you guys quit taking a playoff because yeah. I'm getting the ball. You know, <laughs> yeah, yeah. you know, just I, cause I, Emmett yeah, doesn't I have get, it. I can get us to second and two. You know, <laughs> I'm not going to go 65, but right. Um, it, it was it was good because it was you know some of the stuff we did off the changeup was yeah. was great. Um, you know, one of the biggest compliments I ever got was you know a fourth and one in our last Super Bowl. And, you know, Ernie, Zamp- Ernie Zampezi called fullback belly on fourth and one. Uh, so, you know, that's that, that, that's confidence in, in, in what I could do. Um, but I had over 100 carries every season in, in college. You know, we, we had, you know, three guys. We ran an option. Um, you know, so we were up in the high fives, low sixes, and, and total yards rushing, yeah. you know, the three of us. Yeah. So we were throwing up some, some good rushing numbers at Syracuse. Uh, but I had a ton of touches. Uh, but I... I the biggest thing is when you get to the NFL. I didn't have a single fumble in college. I fumbled like three times my rookie year. It's a different world. Oh my god! The hits. They, well, the, the way they come after and the, the way football. they can get the yeah. they come after the I football. I mean, it's a, it is a I mean, special. It is a taught skill, and, and it's got at, and that's that's nineteen eighty nine, nineteen ninety. They're really doing what it they now. do today. They're better now yeah, than that. Ever. The, the peanut punch and oh, all the, the stuff punch, that's yeah. out there and everything. It's um, it's hey, I'm not going to tackle you. You're twenty five yards downfield. I'm going to get yelled at in the film room. Yeah. So I need something positive. So I got to get <laughs> I got to get <laughs> that ball out and create a turnover. So I don't. What, get what was out. your longest run in pro? I think I had a 19-yard run. Well, look at Moose. Had a couple of 20-yard catches that were short catches with good runs after them. There you go. So, what Do you think, and we just got a little bit of time, does it break your heart that the fullback, you think it's going to come back, it's getting phased out of the game? Do you, you know, uh, there's kind of almost like these combo tight ends slash yeah. H-back, but do you, do you think the fullback will, like a lot of things, come back and become mod again? It's hard because there's nobody feeding that pipeline from right. the college game. Yeah. So until the colleges start to embrace it, I, the one thing I don't like is when they try to retrofit a, a an undersized defensive lineman or a small guard. <laughs> uh, because I tell people all the time, I said, the collision that you have from the fullback spot is different than any collision it you is. have on the field. If I'm an offensive lineman or a defensive lineman, there's six inches of space between us. When you go to the fullback position and you got to go against Eric Hill and there's eight yards of space between you, yeah. That's a very, very violent collision. And it really comes down to will, not technique. You know, I developed a little bit of technique that people will tell me, you know, hey, what made you difficult to play against was you could flip your hips and turn and get me out of the hole, but I couldn't get back. And for a blocker, a stalemate is a loss. As a defensive guy, if I stuff you in oh, the yeah, hole, I've won. Yeah. So I've got to create movement. And how do I how do I create movement on Eric Hill, who's 6'3", 255, coming downhill. And that's going to be a stalemate, and I'm stuck right in the hole, and I've just 
that's where the ball is supposed to go, and I've just eliminated that option. So how do you how do you create that that movement, that separation, that opening for Emmett to get through? So you come up with some different things that you work on yourself. Can you teach them the people? Probably, but it's really do you have the mentality to go in and do that snap after snap after snap? Well, it sure has been fun talking to you, man. And thank uh, we you. Could you've talk been, for you've been so good to yep. to our show and being available to us. And, uh, and the conversations are always informative and, and a lot of fun. I know you got a lot of people pulling at you. So thank you on, on behalf of the show. And uh, thanks to each and every one of you for being with us on this edition of Rick and Bubba University, the podcast. <laughs>